So we are in our fourth part of our, our series 5G, a gospel-centered, uh, a gospel-centered church. And we're going to look this whole morning at the fourth G called Give. As we've said many times through this series, glorify is the umbrella over everything that we do. And I think that's going to jump out as we talk about give this morning. So why do we want to talk about giving? Because we serve a God that's a generously giving God in every aspect. When God created, he just did not create one type of butterfly. He created 750 types of butterflies that look different and have different colors and fly differently. And God did that because he's generous to us and we get to enjoy him. He gives strength in Psalm 29. He gives rest. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Maybe you need that this morning. He gives the desires of your heart. He gives rain. He gives grace and glory. He gives what is good, even though one is hard to see sometimes. He gives wisdom. He gives perseverance and encouragement. Hope you can be encouraged this morning by our God. He, he gives life to all things, the breath of God's life. He gives the increase. He, gives, he gave his son for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gives us victory through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives us eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. God does this and much, much more because of who he is. Giving is at the nature of the center of his character, the nature of who he is, and he takes pleasure in giving. He's never stingy. When he gives, he overwhelms the recipients, and he expects the recipients to give in the same way. So turn to the book of Malachi, chapter 1. It's the last book of the Old Testament. If you've not read Malachi in a while, I encourage you to do it this week. It's only four chapters. It'll take you about 15 minutes to read. But it has such a powerful message before the Old Testament closes and the New Testament begins 400 years of later. And it's all about these people whose worship has become dull. Who, who, who have become just routine in their daily lives and they're not giving their best. They're, they're half-hearted. They're, they're not fully devoted and giving what God is requiring them to give. And it's, it's so applicable in our days because so many people just attend church and it becomes just a, a casual thing to do. Last year, week we talked two weeks ago about the gathering and why we need to gather. Don't let it become casual. But that's what happens so often. Oh, it's just another Pastor Ryan message. Another worship time, another song to sing. Got to stand for three songs. And then we walk out of here unchanged so often. Church, we can't do that. A gospel-powered church does not live or act that way. Our goal on Sundays is that we would not leave this room and go, Wow, that was a great service. That's not our goal. Our goal is that when the service is done, God looks down and says, that was really good. 
Those people at FBC love me. They give me their best. So God's addressing this issue to, uh, to, Mal- through Malachi to the Israelites in Malachi chapter 1 because they're so casual about their giving and their worship. Now, in earlier periods of Israel's history, the prophets had to deal with idolatry. They had to deal with paganism um, and, and, and infiltrating their lives and their worship. But, but after the exile, that wasn't as much of a major issue. It still was. But now their worship of the living God has been corrupted by indifference, by selfishness, self-centeredness. And so the prophet Malachi, in four short chapters, addresses this issue. It's a whole different set of issues that we've seen. And he says, we're going to start in in verse 6. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest... So I want you to count how many times we see this name of God in the few verses that we're going to read today. So Malachi the prophet is sending a stern message from the Lord of heaven's armies. So, so the Lord capitalized when you see, or the Lord is Yahweh, the self-existent one, the redemptive one, the, the great I am. The phrase, Lord of heaven armies, or maybe in your Bible it says the Lord of hosts, refers to the angelic armies that we can't even see. The the spiritual side that we can't see up there. Can't wait to have that, eyes to see that someday. Now this message is sent to the priest. So he's saying, Malachi's saying, this Lord of heaven's armies, who's so powerful, has a message specifically to you, the priest, who are in charge of the worship of all the Israelites, who are supposed to be leading Israel in worship and setting the example. And he says this, the Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, a son honors his father. Now that might not be true so much in our day, unfortunately, but that's the way it has always been. And that's what God expects of his children, to honor their father and mother. Not only that, but a servant respects his master. That's God's order. There's a hierarchy there. So these people had all the right words, but their actions did not show their full devotion to him. If I'm your father and your master, where are the honor and the respect I deserve, God is asking them. You're calling him master. Just, just like a servant calls, and that's what you're calling God. But your, your, your life doesn't line up. So I've been asking myself this question a lot over the last few weeks as I've been thinking about this. When I say Lord during my prayers, do I understand what I'm calling God? Do you? We're calling him master. Just like a servant looks at his master. Okay, master. Okay, boss. What do you want me to do? That's what we're saying. Now think about the way that so many of us pray. And I'm guilty of this. Lord, Thanks for this day. Hey, I've got this. Can you do this for me? Can you give me this? I asked you last week to do this, and it hasn't happened yet. 
So I ask myself, do I respect him like a master? Or do I treat him like a servant? The thing that we have is this glorious, glorious God. And he knows our needs. He wants to hear from us. He wants to care for us. He really does want us to give us good gifts. But let's make sure that we respect him like our Lord, like master. If we're going to call him father, let's honor him like a father in the way we live. The same thing Jesus was saying in Luke chapter 6, 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? It's silly for you to call me Lord or master, and then when I tell you what to do, you don't do it. When I, when I give you specific instructions, you don't do it. Or you only do it halfway. God's like, just stop calling me Lord then. That's hit me between the eyes as I've thought about that. Think about it yourselves. So then he goes on in verse 6, 6b. You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? They were, they were blind to what they were doing, these priests were. Verse 7 through 9. You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You will defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 9, go ahead and beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all, asks the Lord of heaven's armies. So God was saying, you Israelites, you priests, this is so insulting. More specifically, priests, you, you, you're despising my name by what you're doing and by your actions. And the, the priests are like, what are you talking about? They're, they're blind to it. We, we come and worship you. We lead the congregation in worship. We bring the animals. We prepare the sacrifices. We're, we're here religiously every day to prepare. What are you talking about, Malachi? The problem says in verse 8, when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, isn't that wrong? What's the ESV say? Isn't that, huh? Evil. Isn't that evil? In the Old Testament, they would bring um, a sacrifice to the Lord, and that was their, their offerings or their sacrifice for sins. They were supposed to look over their flocks and pick the best animal, the unblemished one. And they were in the flocks. They're supposed to bring God their best. What was going on here in this passage is they were going to their flocks and saying, hey, that one keeps running into a tree. Let's bring him. He's blind. And God is going, you think I'm pleased with that? That's evil. But not only did they bring blind animals, they brought crippled. They brought diseased animals. Picture that in your mind. They go to their flock. Oh, there's a three-legged sheep. There's a sheep with a cyst on the side. Let's have him hobble up to the altar. 
and then put them on the altar. And God's like, no, what are you doing? That's not what I've asked you to do. That's not your best. He says, that's, what? Evil. It's pretty disgusting picture. So let me ask you, how's the church in America doing? Are we really any different in West Michigan? When God wants the best from us, we have so many people here right in West Michigan that have so many wonderful things. We're the richest people on earth. What are we bringing to God? Are we bringing him our best? And we know what God commands, don't we? We know what the word of God asks us to. Are we bringing him our first fruits in all areas? Are we really any different? Do we think God is just pleased with anything? God doesn't want our leftovers. God is like, try to give that sheep, that blind sheep to your governor, to your government. See if he'll take it, the passage says. So next year when tax time comes, write your check, only write half of it. And then on the check, put a sticky note that says, I have an old couch in my living room. I have some clothes in my closet. That's the other half. How do you think they'll respond? Huh? Come on, guys, wake up. Yeah, jailbait. We're not going to try that because we know not to. God says the government won't even take it. I'm the creator of that governor. I'm the creator of that government. Worship me with everything that you have. Do you think I'm rejoicing in heaven with your half-hearted leftovers? He's really calling these priests out, isn't he? It's uncomfortable. Comfortable. And maybe that's why you guys are so unresponsive today. Because it hits here, doesn't it? I've struggled with this all week. So I saw this certain illustration a few different times over the years. And I can't get it out of my mind. I've used it with youth, so I want to use it again now. So I want you to picture that this is your time. We come to the Lord and say, say, my whole life is yours. But at first, I got to go to work. Then I'll come home after work, and I'll hang out with my wife and my kids, and that's a good thing. But then I'll go to a football game, which is a good thing. And then I'm so tired, by the end of the day, I lay down in bed at night and I fell to sleep and all of a sudden, I remember, God, oh God, thank you for a great day. And we just toss God our leftovers. We kind of toss God a bone. We spend the whole day going and going and going, spending time on ourselves, maybe even doing ministry. And then I'll give God what's left. The crazy part is, where'd my bone go? Some people, some people think that 
this is God. Look what Ryan gave me. Angels, come and look how much Ryan gave me. No. God does not want our leftovers. Oh, at least I gave him something. No. He doesn't want the bone that we've thrown at him. We'll see that as we go through this passage. I got to finish my tricking. <laughs> Stacy, last night we stopped. I shot a deer this weekend, so we cleaned it, and then ran up to Ludington. And uh, somebody used chicken as a Kentucky Fried Chicken. She says, that's not very godly. God wouldn't want you to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> not very healthy. Healthy, she was saying, but... So we do this in so many areas of our life, don't we? With our money. I'll buy what I, the house I want to buy first. I'll buy the truck I want to buy first. The hobby, I'll spend my money on that first, and then I'll throw a few bucks in the offering plate. You guys are a generous church, so thank you. But is it your first fruits? The priest, the priest thought, at least we're giving God something. That three-legged sheep, that's good. God's like, no. How about our plans? I'll go to college. I'll live how I want to live for three or four years. I'm not going to worry about God. I'm going to make choices that are ungodly. And then I'll live for God. Or, or, or I'll build my career first. I don't have time for church on Sunday. It's too busy. Oh, this baby I can just get rid of. Whatever. God's like, no, how about our time? I have so much to do today. I just can't stop. For What I've learned over the years is when I wake up with God and I give him the first of my day, there's always time. There's more than enough time to get everything accomplished. Give God our first fruits, our hearts. We give God parts of it often, but not the whole thing. I love God, but I love this thing as much. I love God, but my life's fruit doesn't show that. It shows that this is more priority than, than this. God is a glorious God. And that's why we started the series of being a gospel-powered church with this. God's a glorious God who deserves our best. He does not deserve our leftovers. Look at verse 10 of Malachi chapter 1. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. How many times is that? Four. And I will not accept your offerings. Whew, strong language. The priests were in the temple in Jerusalem. And they were doing these sacrifices. And God is like, I wish someone would just shut the door. You got that picture in your mind? The temple. And God's like, shut the door. I wish they'd close this thing down. The priests, they don't get it. They're like, people are showing up. People are excited. They're, they're giving. There's sacrifices happening. God would rather we do not worship him at all that insult him by tossing him our leftovers. Do you really, next slide please, do you really believe that God deserves the best? 
that he is more glorious than anything else. Show him by what you give. It's just not finances. It's your life. What's it going to cost to follow Jesus? Everything. I don't think we have a clue what that looks like. At least I don't. I'm sorry. Some of you do. Right now there are thousands and thousands of churches in America meeting. I counted. I looked on websites. There's 10 churches in heart and mirror so that is meeting right around 10 o'clock in the morning. And I wonder, how many churches would God say, just shut your doors? I pray that we are not that type of church. That we don't give God leftovers. I pray that for, we pray on Mondays, we pray for all the local churches. I pray for all the gospel preaching churches. That God will use them and grow them. I want God to look down from heaven and see the people at Heart FBC and see people at other gospel preaching churches and saying, yes, these people love me. Keep those doors open. Fill those seats. Share the gospel. But here's the thing. God says, if you don't want to worship with me with excellence, if you don't want to give me your best, there are other people that will. And there are other people that are. And I will bless them and I make my name great through them. Look at, look at verse, oh, where are we here? Sorry, I got off my notes. Verse 11, yes, should have just looked at the screen. But my name is honored by the people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He's going to find a group of people that want to worship him. Because his name's on the line. And his name's going to be lifted up. God will make sure his name is honored. He's not in heaven like, just give me something, FBC. He's like, if you're not going to give me your best, I'm going to shut your doors. Revelations 3 has always been a passage that I think about a lot. Especially his letter to the church of Laodicea. I know all the things you do that you're neither hot or cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are luke like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit, vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to give leftovers. I want to be fully devoted to Jesus, giving him everything. I want God to look at FBC. And back in the Malachi passage, it says... They offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. That's what we do. That's why we gather. That's why we go. That's why we give. He deserves it. Okay, jump to Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Listen, you priests. This command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And I will bring a terrible curse against you, and I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you have not taken my warning to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on the manure pile. Oh. God is saying, if you don't repent, I will curse you. 
In fact, I've already cursed you. I, I'm not going to bless you. If you don't change, I will punish your descendants, it said. Generations, generational blessing and cursing is real. Curses is real in God's kingdom. But by the grace of God, every one of us can turn that around. Some families need that. All families need that. Take that seriously. But he says, I will splatter your faces with manure from the uh, the, your festival sacrifices. What's going on here? There were parts of an animal that were not allowed to be sacrificed. They were considered dirty, unclean. The intestines, the inner parts, the dung that was left over behind. They would mix all those, inner, those dirty parts with the ashes after the sacrifice. They would scoop it up in whatever type of shovel they had, and they would bring it out to the outside of the city gate and put it on a pile, and they would burn it there. And God is telling the priest, I'm going to take that pile of junk and I'm going to smear it on your faces, and then I'm going to take you outside and put you on the burn pile. It's quite a picture. Wake up. we got to pay attention to this. This is God. This all-powerful, all-loving, jealous God for his name that often we see as this weak little God. So I loved about Pastor Mark's preaching over the years. He always elevated God. None of us would say, oh, God's weak. But sometimes we treat him that way. God says, worship me like I've asked you to worship me. We cannot lose the reference for God, reverence for God. This is not, hear, hear this. This is not God being harsh for the sake of just being harsh. He wants us to repent and turn to him, and then watch what he's going to do for his name's sake. Malachi chapter 3, go to verse 6. I want to read verses 6. I think it's through about 11. I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? They still don't get it. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me with the tithes and offerings due me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouses so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do this, says the Lord of heaven's army, the eighth time in this passage, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. These are God's words through Malachi. Why did God want these people to turn to him and worship him fully? Because he deserved it. That's who he is. And then he's going to bless them. And he's a generous God that wants to give. He does not want us to be cursed people and live miserable lives. That's not why he created us. God is a generous God that loves to give good gifts to all of his children. Matthew 7, 11. 
So if the sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give gifts to those who ask him? So the people heard this message from God. And they're like, wait a second. They still didn't get it. And he has to give them another example, not the sheep, not the, not the blind, not the lame, but their tithes. They're not giving them the full tithes, the 10%. And he's bugged by that. He's calling that evil. He says, try bringing the whole tithe to the storehouses. See what I do with your life. Test me. See if I just don't flow open the, the floodgates and blow your mind away. Why? So his name will be honored. So church, I've seen this firsthand in so many of your lives. I've watched so many of you say, I'm going to trust God completely and going to give him my best. And then I've watched God's floodgates open in your lives. I've watched that in our lives as well. Especially my wife. I'm going to talk about her for a while. She pre-read this, so she's okay with it. She's always been more generous than me. I'm Dutch. She's Dutch, but my Dutch goes deeper, I guess. She, but, but what's the, she understood this kingdom living principle. She, she understood it and she has lived it out for as long as I have known her. She has a tremendous faith, a deep conviction that God will supply all her needs. She just needs to be faithful and obey and to trust. The heading of this section in Luke, I want to read all the Message Bible. Luke chapter 6. Verse 26 through 38. The heading of this says, give away your life. I've watched this with her life. Pay attention. It's a little longer. But it's trouble ahead if you think you have made it. What you have is all you ever get. And it's trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will not satisfy you for long. And it's trouble ahead if you think life's all fun and games. There's suffering to be met, and you're going to meet it. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice a servant life. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. I've watched this in my life. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden-variety sinners do that. If you only give what you hope to get out, do you think that that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without experiencing, expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. 
live out of this God-created identity. He put it in us. The way our Father lives towards us. Thank you, Jesus. Generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind. You be kind. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can be boomerang. Can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. And then these two verses. Give away your life. You'll find life back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. How you doing? Are you living that way? God's name will be honored in the way that we live, the way that we give. And it's an exciting faith adventure to live that way. Yes, it can be scary, but we have a God that wants to supply our needs. This precedent was set by God because it's who God is. It's his character. He, he, his son modeled it in the way he lived and gave his life. And he expects his children to live that way as well. Are you living that way? So back to Stacy. I've seen this in action in her life over and over. She stands and lives on this. That her God is so big. So mighty and so strong. I said that wrong. But there's nothing that he cannot do. And it's just an amazing journey to be on. Give your life away. And you will find that your life will be given back with so much more. So here's a story. Stacy would have rather moved to a city than to heart when we moved up here 15 years ago. But she followed in God's obedience to a small country town. And she's loved it. She loves it. You guys have grown and grown on us. But that didn't take away her desire for cities. So every year we would go to Chicago or Grand Rapids to get her fix. One of her dreams was to go to a larger city out east, Boston or New York. This looks bad on me, but this whole story does. When Dylan was about three years old, we hooked up and we went up to Maine through New York, hit the coast on the way down, went through Massachusetts, and she's like, can we stop in Boston? And I kept driving, and she looked longingly out the window. And we went past New York, I'm like, I don't want to drive in the city, and she's just like, oh. So we came home. We came home. In 2015, I took a teen group to inner city New York. She was so excited. She couldn't wait to go on this trip. We had child care issues, and she couldn't go. For her 40th birthday, she dropped many hints that she wanted to go somewhere to a big city, New York or Boston, preferably New York. Problem was, I had waited 13 years for a Baldwin bear tag, hunting bear. It opened on her 40th birthday. 13 years, New York. Ah. With her blessing, we went out for dinner. 
the night before the bear season opened. And I went hunting the next day with a couple of my boys in a blind up in branch. Up in branch. It gets worse. Sitting in the bear blind about 3 o'clock, maybe 4. I don't know what it was. Maybe 5. I don't know. It was later. I get a call from Stacy. Off. Frantic. All the animals, the chickens, the pigs, and all the 4-H cows were out of the barn. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? I'm bear hunting. <laughs> so bless her heart, for about two hours, she chased the animals, let them back into the barn. But when she's doing that, she gets a call from her sister, who lives in Chicago, just saying, happy birthday. And by the way, I'm in New York City. My husband took me here on a whim. And her heart's like, oh, she was so like, ah. It was not good. Fast forward three months to Christmas. We're at her folks' house. Her sister from Chicago gives each of the two sisters and the mom a Christmas card. And in the Christmas card, there's a note. And on that note, it says, my husband is taking me and the two sisters and mom to New York City this spring. All includes a fancy hotel, a show on Broadway, fancy restaurants, everything paid for, transportation included. And Stacy was blown away. She said, I would have been completely satisfied to go to New York, sleep on cots at the Salvation Army, serve in soup kitchens, but now look what God has done. Give away your life and your fine life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. A gospel-powered church gives. And we don't get blessings just for ourselves. but yes, God is a good God and he's going to do that. We get blessings so we can point it back to God. And Stacy is an example of that all through our lives. And God has blessed her. There's been hard things, extremely hard things. But the blessings of God is incredible. Test me, God says. See if I will throw open the, the storehouse doors. And he does over and over and over again. Our job as believers here in Oceanus County is to spread the fame and the renown of God's name. That's our job. And one way we can do it is by giving. Giving our lives to him first. And then laying it all on the table. No more tight fists. Saying, God, use me. And see what he has done. 